You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Uh, the man that writes them is Zach Meisel, and he is on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Hey, Zach, how are you? Hi, Zach. Hey, guys. Has Medigan told you what time he asked to do this interview when he reached out the other day? Uh, what time did he want to do it? He, he, he recommended midnight. He said, can you join the fellows at 12 a.m.? Good wouldn't, job, sir. There. Wouldn't surprise me. Picture me rolling, Zach. Picture me rolling. <laughs> Are we clubbing on this story? Is that what we're doing? Hey, man. Uh, okay, cool. Sounds good. Want to talk a little baseball? Oh, we're just chilling. That's all. Okay, good. Uh, Zach, uh, the the trucks are rolling to Goodyear today. And, you know, that to for us, I guess it's tradition around here. Most people worry about that stupid Puxatawney Phil. We worry about the trucks rolling out to Goodyear. Um, is that a rite of passage for us here in Northeast Ohio to think about the trucks rolling out to where other, there are the teams going, whether it used to be Florida, now it's to Arizona? I guess so. I mean, you see, it used to be funny to watch them pack up Tito's scooter. That was like the uh, yeah. prized possession. I think now you you want to make sure that's in the right hands when he's getting <laughs> packaged up. Hmm. No, I mean, it, it's, it seems like it's gone quick. Maybe that's because they played into late October. But uh, I, I think, you know, days like today when it's you can see your breath when you just look outside, uh, I think, uh, yeah, that makes you itch for spring training. And it's it's definitely nice to think those warm thoughts, right? And I think it's, you know, maybe more so than the other sports. Uh, training camp maybe breeds this sort of optimism in the NFL. But, I mean, spring training, it's like even if you know your team's going to stink, it's just it's still like a nice fuzzy time of year because there's so many different things you could pay attention to, whether it's up-and-coming prospects or – you know, a veteran trying to make the team for one last run, something like that. So it's just like you can't be – it's hard to be really ticked off, I guess, when baseball starts in February. Um, at least you would hope so. So, yeah, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice time and a reminder that things are going to get rolling here in a little less than two weeks. We had Chris Antonetti on the show a few weeks ago, Zach, and I asked him about the rotation, and I said – here it is. It's basically you have the same five guys as last year. Do you expect that to be the case at the start of the season? And he basically said, "Yes, this is this is what we're looking at for the rotation." Does it surprise you that they're coming back intact? It does. I, this is it's weird because the rotation's been the backbone of the team for so long, and their pitching development has allowed them to stay afloat even when other areas of the roster might not be as as strong and yet I feel like the rotation is maybe I don't want to say the biggest question mark but it's it's the area I'm focusing on most over the next six to eight weeks because they're in sort of a weird spot they have three of baseball's best starting pitching prospects and that doesn't mean anything yet but they expect those three guys, they, they're crossing their fingers that they are, you know, out of those three, maybe you get a number one or a number two, a number two or a number three, and then maybe 
one guy settles in as like a back of the rotation type. Like that would be a wonderful outcome. And those guys could be ready as soon as maybe later this summer or certainly next season. And they've got beyond those three, like six or seven pitchers at triple a ranging from filler spot starter types to could be middle of the rotation arms. So all of these kids are waiting for an opportunity. And yet it's not like their rotation is full of 40 year olds. Right. So I think Bieber's timeline is interesting because he's only got two more seasons of control. You know, can they lock in Tristan McKenzie to a long-term extension this spring? Cal Quantrill is obviously around for another few years. And then it's, it's, it's the main point here. Plesak and Savali at the end, can they rebound? You know, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I, I thought that they would try to find a taker for Zach Plesak. They dangled his name out there last summer. Um, but they're always of the mindset that if we can't get the value we want in a trade, we're just not going to make that trade. So that's why you have these five. But I, I do wonder how leash some of these guys are going to be on. I wonder if you know, some of those top prospects are really killing it at AAA midseason. Do they try to swing a trade this summer so that they have a spot for one of those top prospects? I mean, there's, there's a lot of moving parts here, and I think there's too many cooks in the kitchen. So I'm curious to see how that all shakes out. And the most beneficial outcome for everybody is if Lisak and Savali pitch really well, then you've got a really good rotation, and you've got tons of trade ammunition. So it's, it's like the, the spot of the roster with – the most possible outcomes where like, I don't know what this is going to look like three months from now, six months from now. Um, and it's weird to say that about the rotation because it's usually just so reliable. You sound like you feel the same way I do on this, which is when those prospects are ready to go, you're not trading them. You're trading somebody who's in the rotation who maybe isn't pitching as well as you think they should be pitching. And, and then you've got the younger guy with the upside and the, lower salary and the contractual control? Yeah, that's probably how they would prefer it. I mean, they've done that in the past with Kluber, Bauer, Clevenger. Um, and this is a little different just because, like, you know, you don't want to sell low on somebody, but you think about Plesak and Savali, and, you know, you've seen glimpses of, of being a really good pitcher from those two, but it's not like they have these track records where you're going to go get a six-player haul like you got for Clevenger. So, yeah, I think that's the move. I mean, they they resisted trade inquiries for those prospects, you know, in the Sean Murphy talks and other conversations over the last year or so. So they they believe in those guys. I think they they really hope that they're the real deal. You never know. And so instead of just granting them an opportunity right off the bat, you know, make them prove that they're ready for a chance and you can buy some time because you have quality major league pitchers already in house. Zach, I want to ask you about a couple of stories that you have on online right now at the athletic. And I, like I was mesmerized by the story that you wrote about captain Jose Ramirez. And I, I'm fascinated at why the team has decided not to have a captain over the years. I, I didn't realize how long it's been since this team's had a captain. Can you, you just touch on that story a little bit and maybe give me a, a little bit more background on why we don't have a captain? Yeah, so they haven't had one since Joe Carter, what, 35 years ago now? Yeah, it's um, crazy. And it's, you know, they're not that common in the league anymore anyway. I think it gets attention in New York because it's been tradition there. And now Aaron Judge is going to be their captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was just curious with the history of it because a captain used to be basically 
the on-field manager. And there are stories in the archives where, like, Hal Trotsky was kind of assigned the role of captain, and, and that meant he had to be the one pulling the strings and making certain decisions on the field, and then he'd be the one receiving criticism. It was the way the manager could sort of escape being the scapegoat. And the manager ended up getting fired after that season, and Hal Trotsky said, look, I'm done. I don't want this anymore. I didn't ask for this. So it used to be a big deal because it would come with a bonus and you'd, you know, you'd get all this, well, it could be glory. It could be the opposite of that. Um, but it's obviously changed over time and become less common over time. I mean, Terry Francona had Jason Veritek as a captain in Boston. Um, there have been like David Wright with the Mets, Adrian Beltre with the Rangers, Mike Sweeney with the Royals in recent years. But it's not like it comes with, you know, you don't get like a company car or anything. So I don't, I don't really, it's changed. I mean, you, you have an actual manager to make the decisions. Now you have front office to, to have some input. So um, I think if anyone was going to fit the qualifications, whatever those qualifications are in Cleveland, it would be Jose Ramirez. Uh, but I also know knowing him and his personality, he doesn't want that attention anyway. So you can stick a, another C on his uniform if you want, but I don't think he wants the attention or I don't think he wants to answer questions more often than he already has to. So it's interesting to see how it's evolved over time. Um, And certainly, you know, he'll, he'll get some other perks from sticking around Cleveland for so long, maybe a statue, certainly a local hall of fame induction, maybe a national baseball hall of fame induction one day. Hmm. I don't know that he wants anything to do with being captain. Is the middle infield situation the same as the starting pitching, Zach, or is it completely the opposite? And I say that they have a, a ton of young middle infielder prospects, yet you have Andres Jimenez, who's been terrific, all-star second baseman, and Ahmed Rosario, who probably played a lot better than everybody thought he would last year at shortstop. Are those guys long-term and the prospects get traded, or does, something, does somebody work its way into that lineup? Well, it's it's a little, I guess it's simpler because there's only two spots, right? And Andre Jimenez is under team control for a long time, and I'm sure they would like to extend him for even longer. And with Ahmed Rosario, it's a little different. He can be a free agent after this season. And unlike this winter where you had four shortstops land mega deals, he is the class of the shortstop group hitting free agency. And there is not much competition. So, I think if you're him, you look at that and say, well, if I can just have one more decent season in Cleveland, I'll have any team that needs a shortstop hot after my trail wanting to sign me for, I don't know, 80 million, 100 million, whatever he winds up being worth. So I don't think Cleveland's going to give him that sort of contract because they have Brian Rocchio and Gabriel Arias and Tyler Freeman and guys behind those three who could be part of the equation in future seasons. So yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's a catch 22 because you, you want, you wish you had an answer. Like I, I couldn't tell you if I'm at Rosario walks at the end of the season, I don't know who the starting shortstop is next year. You know, maybe they just hold an open competition with a few guys, but can those guys establish themselves? Can one of those people rise to the role of heir apparent? If, you know, they're all stuck at triple a or if one or two of them are, backup infielders on the major league team this year. Like it, it might be a little, it's, it's tough to balance the development while also wanting to see the very best of the player. 
and immediately. So it's tricky. I, my guess would just be Rosario plays out the season, hits free agency, goes somewhere else on a five or six year deal, and Cleveland turns to whoever they think is next in line. But you know, it'll be fascinating to monitor that all season to figure out who might be next in line. Zach, I think when I think about the Guardians going into the season, and uh, I'm just curious your thoughts on where they stand in the AL Central. You know, I know I did anyone in the world think what was going to happen happened last year to win it by 11 games. And now to watch no. them walk into this season, like I'm just wondering, how, comparing them to the rest of the AL Central, what should we expect going into this year? It's weird. I think all three teams are flawed in different ways. And I say three teams, the three contenders, because the Royals and Tigers who have been rebuilding since – I don't know. Jeff has a ton of hair. Um, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Sorry. Wow. Excuse nice. me. Well played, my friend. Well played. <laughs> it's it, all in love. It was a few. Was a few years ago, Zach. But I, I think like those teams are still rebuilding. Like their rebuilds didn't work. So it's you're looking at just the the other three teams and you know the Twins. I don't know. They rearranged some chairs. They it was good for them for landing Carlos Correa after everything that. He went through. I don't know how much better they are. The White Sox have no depth, so they're really clinging on to the major league talent they had. You wonder if they benefit from not having Tony LaRusso around, but they also won't have Jose Abreu around. I, I don't. I think those teams are very flawed. I, I think they things could go right. Like the White Sox still have a ton of talent, um, but they have to stay healthy. They have to have some young players who have had a couple down seasons rebound. And can they do that and hold off Cleveland and Minnesota? I don't know. I think Cleveland seems like the, uh, a slightly safer bet, but the irony there is you also don't know that all of the young kids can repeat what they did. The, the benefit for them is they have a ton of depth. You know, if Oscar Gonzalez doesn't pan out, you have Will Brennan, you have George Valera. And I don't know which of those three guys is going to hit, but I'm pretty confident at least one of them will. So they at least have options. It's just, I feel like what you see in April might not be what you see in July and August. And it might take some time to figure out who the best starting nine are, who the best starting rotation is. Um, But once they figure that out, once some guys establish themselves, once you know for sure that Andre Jimenez is the real deal, that Stephen Kwan can still make adjustments, that, um, you know, Josh Bell can be the hitter that, they hope he can be once you have some answers i feel like this team is in a pretty good spot so like I, I think they're i think they're slightly favored in vegas to win the division i think that's fair um there's just like with all three contenders they just there are some major question marks i just think cleveland's are probably the easiest to answer all right zach before you go let's just get this out of the way now so i don't have to text you later february 29th you available to join us yeah, but do I have to set an alarm in the middle of the night? Well, maybe. I don't know. About one thirty is what I'm thinking. So then that way you sleep in a little from the midnight one. I, I'm sorry. I don't believe there is a February 29th this year. Are we is that done? your point, Dan? That was my point. Oh, okay. Making fun of myself. Okay. Does that work for you, Zach? Yeah, I would love to join you on February 29th, <laughs> but not next year on February 29th. No, no, no. Only this year. 
Isn't it election years and Olympic years? Yeah, isn't it Olympic? Yeah. Now you're, I'm so confused. We don't do math on this show. Can we please stop? You guys are killing me. Well, clearly me right we don't now. calendar or, either. Or apparently Nor calendars. Do we time. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Isn't that math though? When you, Not really. Twenty four divided by twelve, three hundred sixty five, something like Thank that. Thank you, Julius and Augustus. Thank you, Zach. You are the man as always. Again, I highly recommend getting on Athletic and reading a couple of these stories, especially the Jose Ramirez Every story. story. And there's also another great story that you just released too about John Adams too, which I thought was a phenomenal piece too. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, boys. Take care. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 